Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the FemiPod. This is episode number 32. It's uh, great to be back with you. We want to firstly apologize for last week's episode. We um, obviously didn't put the episode out last week. We had a bit of a malfunction with our guests coming on board, but that is totally okay. And we are bringing on another guest next week for a really great conversation, which we're actually going to kickstart today about body image. But before we get stuck into it, I've obviously got the amazing guest here with me. How are you, Est? How was the uh, weekend? I know we're recording early this week, so how's the weekend? Yeah, the weekend's good. I went up to Auckland, which was really cool. So I got to go to the Femi community up there, which was really nice. We went for a a wee jog and then there was like 10 of us went out for coffee after and we were all just chatting and it was just a really awesome bunch, you know, the best start to the morning. So yeah, I had heaps of fun. And then I also got to hang out with the Bays Babes, who's a running group that I run with up there as well. So we went uh, for some runs with them as well. And I also got to see my family and my original cats, which is Squid. So Squid is 12 years old now. She's the love of my life and obsessed with me. So she's super cute and loved seeing her again. She follows me around when I get home and it's just, oh, just so cute. And then Winnie, which is my sister's partner's cat, which we have taken in. So, oh, and my mum and dad got a dog too. So the cats are absolutely hating that, but it, yeah, no, really good to catch up with the family. Uh, running, my, my running's going good. Like, I'm just so excited. Finally, my body seems to be ticking over again. Like, I can do a longer run or a workout and back it up the next day and not feel dizzy or strange, like something's wrong with my body. So, yeah, it's been a real long journey. I think I'm 11, maybe 10 or 11 weeks in now since I had COVID and finally coming right. So, very happy about that and yeah like you said Lids you you're actually looking to enter a race I might look to something in about three months maybe two to three months see how I go but yeah I'm so excited excited to be feeling good again and my body's coming right so happy days how about you Lids how's it going on the sunny coast yeah amazing I think you should do the Mount Monganui half marathon I think that's like September maybe and it's quite a good course like you obviously have to run around the mountain which which is quite hard, but the rest of it's quite flat. And if it's a nice day, then yeah, it can be a faster course with the first like 16, 17 K will be fast. But yeah, it's awesome that you're feeling good. I, yeah, too, am feeling really good. I think the weekend was just like any other day from the last probably two or three, four weeks where I've just worked and trained every day, which is completely fine. But yeah, just getting lots done at the moment. But in terms of running, like feeling good, which is nice. I've been able to clock up some bigger Ks this last couple of weeks, not back to like what I normally would be running but close to which is cool and even just getting some speed work in that feels nice to just be running somewhat fast again I think I put up a post about like my paces and the expectations that I have had in the past to run like certain speeds when I'm coming back from training after either a uh, coming back to training after either a injury or sickness or just time off post marathon and there's like 
these ideas around you have to hit specific paces because you used to be able to do that and you should always now be able to do that, which is totally not the case at all. And because I've had six months of very inconsistent training and up and down, realizing that I'm not going to hit those paces in training, let alone in a race, coming to terms with that has been a bit of a journey. I think like just realizing that, yeah, I can't run that now, but hopefully in another few months, I'll be able to get back there, which is really exciting for me, but just accepting where I am right now, right here has been really important for me. So yeah, it's been good. But today we obviously want to chat about body image, which is a huge conversation and one that we're super passionate and open to talk about our own journeys with body image and kind of the roller coaster that both Esther and I have been on ever since we were young girls to where we are today. And we actually have an expert coming on next week to give us more of a professional opinion around body image, but we thought it would be awesome to just kind of chat through our own experiences first, and then we can have our expert come in and give us more details from a professional perspective of how we as coaches and trainers and anyone that has an impact on you know, girls or boys suffering from potentially disordered eating or body image dysmorphia, how we can go around that. But let's crack into our own journeys first. Es, do you want to start us off like when you started thinking about your body and potentially make more of a negative way, even when you were younger? Yeah, I think for me, it started probably like my years are probably distorted because my memory is a joke, but sometime around the age of 13, But I think it started earlier than that because I think competitive sport world or any type of sporting environment, sometimes there's that external pressure about looking certain ways and then also internal pressure because you you learn those sort of things and you learn from what you see around you and you compare yourself. So I think mine started from a combination of like external factors such as my coach, but also from internal self-belief or belief systems around the way that a runner should look so yeah I just remember I was running pretty well and like winning some stuff and I crossed the line at Auckland Road Champs I think it was and I remember seeing a photo of myself age 13 or 14 I can't remember early 14s maybe and I was like oh my gosh I'm so fat and that was my first thought of that and Ever since that moment, I looked at myself differently and thought of how I could get to whatever that ideal body type was to me. And I think, you know, coach's input, I had a coach that, you know, really overtrained me. I was running 80 80 plus Ks a week at the age of 13, 14, which, you know, is a, a terrible amount of Ks for a young person to be doing. You know, even a lot of adults don't run that many Ks and I was like a growing young girl. So yeah, terrible, but I'm lucky that my body's managed to bounce back from that. But yeah, I think, you know, things he would say, I remember him saying to some of the girls that we were too big, that if we lost weight, we'd be faster. That whole mentality, that old school mentality around being lean makes you a faster runner, which we know is just not accurate. And for everyone, our, you know, body weight's individual and the size that we are meant to be will happen when we're training well, we're eating well, we're in a sustainable long-term sort of routine with running. That's kind of where our bodies should be. It's not an X body percentage amount, or it's not, you need to have this much percent on your stomach or your thighs. There's no one size fits all with running at all. And like that's been proven over and over again now. And I hate hearing that there's still a body type that suits or 
is meant to be for a runner. So I think that started from a very young age and also comparing myself to those around me, I think led me to think that I was fat when I was that age. And that led me into, you know, really, really bad behaviors and yeah, disordered eating. So it started with cutting my diet down. So I would eat the same thing every day and it was not enough food for a growing girl. And, you know, it really affected me. Initially, my running went pretty good. I lost my menstrual cycle through this all, but, you know, it happened initially, but the onslaught after that made me quit running. So, you know, that short-term gain or whatever you could call it is not worth what I went through. And I would never, ever wish that any girl would ever go to those lengths to be a good runner or to be a good sports person. Uh, because you can get there in a much sustainable, more healthy way and you'll be in sport for a lot longer. So yeah, I ended up restricting my eating. I'd say I'd probably be classified as anorexic. I wasn't ever diagnosed with it, but I was, you know, really not eating a lot. I was still looking at myself thinking I was fat when I was extremely gaunt and unhealthy looking. Yeah, I ran all right for a while and then I ended up getting stress fractures and glandular fever and bronchitis and everything that comes along with relative energy deficiency syndrome. So I ended up going to see a nutritionist and I put on weight because I was eating what she told me to. And I was so shocked with how much she told me to eat. And my relationship with my body was not good because I'd gone from being this really good runner, but super unhealthy and anorexic to having to eat all this food and my body changed. I got my period back. I started to get boobs all these things that hadn't happened to me before. And I hated my body. I ended up quitting running because I wasn't running as well as well. Um, when I was about 18, 17, 18, I, I gave up running. So yeah, I mean, that was pretty in-depth, but <laughs> that's how my relationship with my body began in a negative sense. What about you, Liz? Yeah, it's interesting because your relationship with your body suffered purely from a performance lens, like it was pushed on to you to look a certain way because of sport. Whereas I think my relationship with my body was very up and down as a teenager, but it wasn't really linked to my sport as such. Well, not that I feel I'm aware of, potentially subconsciously it did, but I think I grew up in a sport that is very much based on aesthetics, which is ballet, which is as you can probably imagine, a lot of girls have this pressure as ballerinas when you're getting into a leotard every single day and your ballet teacher is telling you that you, you should be a certain body size. It was a very toxic environment, but I think I had such a healthy relationship with sport when I was younger and my parents always pushed sport as a way for like physical movement and physical health and mental health versus like really about performance. And yeah, I, I do remember so vividly when I would have been about eight years old, one of the girls in my ballet class was told that she was too big to be a ballerina. And I'm not kidding you, like not that long after she was in hospital being fed by tubes because of her eating disorder that she gained from being told that she was too big to dance, which I just remember that being like absolutely shocking at that age. But I still think I was relatively like healthy and literally like just loved sport so much that I never really I guess fell into a place of like thinking I had to look a certain way to do that sport because I just loved the act of the sport it was only until I was probably about 12 or 13 so I got my period when I was 12 years old and around that same age I started hanging out with someone who was 
also at risk of eating disorders because her sister was anorexic. And I think there was definitely some sort of like competitive relationship between the two of us. And I remember going to the gym with her. We ended up signing up to a gym at 13 years old and going to the gym every single day, every morning before school, we would go to the gym and it was very much going there to like build a particular body or lose weight really. And I remember the first day we stepped into that gym together, the trainer at the gym put us on the scales to like weigh us to see how heavy we were, I guess, to see how much weight we could lose. I'm not hundred percent sure why you would put a 13 year old girl on the scales in front of her friend. And I remember my friend getting on the scales and she hadn't gone through puberty at that time. And she weighed about 48, 49 kilos. Like I remember this so vividly. I had gone through puberty. I had my period. I definitely like had wider hips and had gone through that cycle in my life or was like kind of going through it. And so I obviously weighed slightly more, like I would have been like 52, 53 kilos, but because I was heavier than her, I just became so insecure in my weight and my body image at that point. And I spent my entire teenage years throughout high school, just comparing myself to every other girl at the school I was with, wishing I looked like them, wishing I had a body like them. I would definitely restrict my diet. Like my mom was really good at feeding and fueling me. Like she really kind of just tried to create this really healthy relationship with food. So it had nothing to do with my like home environment. It was very much around like myself and my internal pressures and expectations that I put on myself. And I remember I like would go to school and I would get like a vivid, like a pen and write on my hand, stop or no. So every time I went to eat, I would see the word stop and it would stop me from eating that food because I had pretty bad self-control. So like, although I had all these disordered eating behaviors, I don't think I was particularly suffering from an eating disorder. I was never diagnosed with that. And I definitely didn't look like I was suffering from an eating disorder. I looked pretty healthy all the way through school, but I definitely was doing things like restricting my diet. I was throwing my food up. I became bulimic at points, which yeah, breaks my heart now to think about that because I just didn't see food the way that I see it now, which is like a fuel to make me be able to run faster and feel better and mentally like function better as well. But back then it was all about like what I looked like and comparing myself to them. So I spent all of my high school pretty much just like wishing I had somebody else's body, wishing I had smaller legs, a smaller waist, bigger boobs, everything that a lot of women are forced to think that way because of society and the things that are put in front of us. And that was a hundred percent me all through school, but it was never really like, I want to be skinny to run faster. I loved running, like running to me was very pure. My intentions for running through school was very pure. It was all about like connecting with my friends and enjoying the movement and the act of running. But when I put myself into kind of that gym environment where I was getting put on the scales and comparing myself to my best friend, that's when my relationship with my body really suffered. But it was definitely into my 20s that it got a lot worse, which we can chat about soon. But those kind of like internal pressures that I was putting on myself were exacerbated by like those external pressures and stresses that were getting put upon me by other things and other people that were around me. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you wrote that thing stop on your hand. I feel like people can probably relate to that. Like I can relate when I was little as well. I would eat the same thing every day. And no matter how hungry I was, I wouldn't allow myself to eat anything until it was the next meal, which was the same as the day before, the day before, the day before, the day before. It's really so sad. Like your body's clearly crying out for food 
and fuel and for some reason we're doing this to ourselves so you know as we dive deeper it's probably gonna you know and we already have touched on why we were acting that way and you touched on obviously yours being more around like comparison with others rather than sport and yeah mine was definitely sport and then maybe moved a little bit more so into that when I was in my 20s but yeah like as I got back into running so I gave up running from 18 to 20 22 and then got back into running I probably I feel like I had a relatively good relationship with my body when I came back into it I think maybe I'd stepped away and I didn't care so much anymore because I wasn't obsessed with running and obsessed with like uh, looking like a runner anymore so I think I was kind of like a little bit looser and a little bit probably more free which was good and then certain things happened during my 20s such as coaches forcing me to get caliper testing on my hip, on my thighs and my stomach and then telling me that I have too much fat on my stomach and my thighs so that probably created one of the biggest challenges for me and body image that I've dealt with in my whole life which you know all about Lydia and we did a video of it as well but like wearing a crop top and I think so many women relate to this because it's brave to do it but it shouldn't be you know if we want to wear one we should wear one and own it and own our bodies but I think because of those comments made to me about having too much fat on my stomach why would I ever then think that I would wear a crop top like I literally remember I went to Nitro Athletics I went to this race over in Australia and they'd asked me beforehand what do you want to run in do you want to run in a crop top or a singlet and I had said a singlet obviously and they mucked up the order and had ordered me a crop top and I was in my room staring in the mirror in my crop top and shorts in tears like grabbing my stomach crying being like no way and I ended up getting really angry at the people that had organized the uniforms and said there's absolutely no way I'm running in a crop top find me a singlet I asked for a singlet and it makes me real sad and it's all because of those comments made by someone who didn't think about the impact of what they were saying to me and how much that has impacted me throughout my life so yeah I definitely (laughs) in my 20s have struggled as well and in saying that like I had a good relationship with my body if I looked deeper into it I probably didn't because I actually similar to you Lydia was bulimic in my early 20s and it's probably because yeah I definitely wasn't happy I was this is when I wasn't running I was drinking a lot and partying and yeah I like developed bulimia yeah I think that was shining through how unhappy I was in giving up running and like losing that part of me because like you said like you had pure intentions with running and I think when I started running I had pure intentions probably to the age of about 12 and then after that it became toxic and unhealthy so I think early 20s, you know, was doing things that probably reflected how I felt about myself and my mental health. And then obviously, as you go through, you have good good times and bad times. But right now, I think I'm in a much better position than I have been in my life. And I'm feeling a lot more confident in my body. And I also just don't, I don't dwell on certain parts of my body as much as I used to. I just think about what it's capable of. But we'll go deeper into that a little bit more soon. I know, Lids, you struggled a lot more so in your 20s. Like, I know your teenage years, you also you obviously also struggled. But your 20s is where it probably got quite unhealthy. Do you want to touch on that a little bit deeper? Yeah, for sure. I just like hearing that story about the crop top and, like, how much you, like, didn't love yourself looking in the mirror and crying like that. 
it just frustrates me so much because that's just someone else's opinions and actions that they have put upon you and projected upon you to make you feel that way about yourself. And you should never let anybody make you feel a particular way that's not good about yourself, you know, and it, oh, it just really annoys me. And, and I just know there's so much change that needs to happen because this stuff still happens today. And I know for a fact that there's so many female athletes out there suffering with body image dysmorphia, whether it's being diagnosed or not, because of the way people have spoken to them. And in particular, like coaches and trainers and leaders in their sport are speaking to them in a way that just is so, it's just so disheartening when you hear that stuff, because the first thing we should all be doing is loving ourselves and loving our bodies and being proud of what we look like and how our bodies are functioning and we should all just if we want to go out there and wear a crop top we should all be have the courage and confidence to go and do that and I just it really frustrates me that that that's still happening today but yeah for me it's I mean similar in the way that those external forces that were put upon me made me feel a particular way about my body through my 20s so throughout my 20s I had a couple of different male coaches and there were definitely some pros of having those male coaches and they are good at like the actual programming and writing training that allows you to perform well but when it comes to the way that they made me feel about myself it just wasn't healthy at all and in particular in my very early 20s I would say maybe 20 21 22 the coach that I was working with at that time would continually tell me that I needed to lose weight. And even though it wasn't an extreme amount of weight that he was telling me I needed to lose, it was still putting this idea into my head that I was too big to be doing the sport that I wanted to be doing. He was telling me that if I lost X amount of weight, I'd be able to run X amount faster. He went to the extreme of like grabbing my stomach at one point and telling me if I'd lost that when he was holding on to my what some may call fat, what I would probably call skin. He was grabbing hold of that and telling me like, you know, if you lost that, you'd be able to run so much faster. And it's those kind of actions and opinions that people say that can have lifelong effects on women, you know, and it has, like, I still carry that around with me today. And although I'm so much more confident in who I am now and how much I love my body, but it still hurts when I think about that and think about like, the idea that he must have had in his head about how much bigger I was than what I should have been to be able to compete in running. I think from there, I actually worked with a different male coach who had a, I had a very similar experience with who was always kind of pushing this idea that I need to lose weight to be able to run quicker. And it's just this idea of like, especially in the athletic world and in the running world, this idea that coaches who are just super uneducated on female physiology and menstrual cycles try to link the idea of being skinny or being lean with being fast and we've talked about it quite a lot but like the idea of being skinny does not mean that you're going to be fast but because of these kind of like words that are used around us all the time as we're growing up and of course like for both you and I is like running was our lives, especially in our 20s. Like a lot of what we did was based around our performance as athletes. So if someone is telling you that if you lost weight, you're going to be faster at that impressionable age, of course, you're going to believe them. And so I pretty much went on this like three, maybe even four year relationship with my body where it just kind of just fell to pieces. I was trying to find anything that I could to try and help myself lose weight. I started training more and more and giving myself less and less recovery. 
I started restricting my diet. So I was pulling back on a lot of foods. I completely cut out carbohydrates for six months and would go on what some would call the keto diet, which at the time I thought was going to be the best thing for me, which ended up actually having reverse effects. And initially I lost weight from it, but it didn't help my performance at all. And then I actually put on more weight than I lost because my body was in such a state of shock from not feeding it and fueling it carbohydrates, which actually led me to the path of relative energy deficiency syndrome in sports. So this whole like, three to four year period of really just like hating my body and beating myself up, trying to do whatever I could to lose weight. It actually affected my performance so negatively that I actually had to step away from running for at least three or four months. And it took me probably a good 18 months to come back from reds to actually start training properly and racing better as well. It's kind of been one of those journeys. It's been very up and down. There's definitely been times where I, you know, have loved my body, especially when you're performing well. It's an easy way to be proud of your body and be happy with your body because you're getting those results in your performance. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't be about your results or your performance. It should be about that like consistent relationship that you have with yourself and loving yourself to have a really healthy relationship is so important. And so I feel like I'm definitely in a much healthier space now, but it's been such a journey to get here. And a lot of reverse psychology to myself around like how amazing my body is, how much it can achieve, how many Ks I can run, how far it can take me and how fast it can take me by eating the right foods versus like, oh, I'm just going to like cut out these foods or not eat for a certain period of time. Or I'm going to go for it. Like I literally used to go for like a two or three hour run and think that having a coffee afterwards was going to be enough fuel. And if I didn't eat for three or four hours after a long run, I was like, patting myself on the back thinking that was a really good thing when actually it's probably the worst thing that I could have done to myself. So I've definitely come a long way, but you know, I still definitely have days now where I love my body and I have days where I don't, and that's totally normal and being okay with it and accepting it has been so powerful for me, like waking up some days and being like, yeah, I don't feel great today. I feel bloated. I feel like, you know, if I look in the mirror, I don't love what I look like. And then moving on from it and not getting consumed by it. And then other days being like, I love what I look like today. I look great. I feel really good, but also not getting consumed by it because it's all about performance and actually how you feel. So I think what we're trying to do with Femi is very much based around building confidence in women. And we know it's a journey for so many women and accepting that that it's a journey is really important, but at the end of the day, trying to focus on yourself and not what society is telling you you need to look like or your coaches or your trainers or your friends or your family, like really just focusing on yourself and how you feel is one of the most powerful things you can do. Definitely. I love what you said then about like not getting consumed by it because I think you're basically talking about mindfulness. Like, yeah, we're probably all going to have bad days and we're still going to see what we see in the mirror and not potentially love exactly what looks back. But the more power you give to that thought, the more that you're going to get upset by it, stress about it, give that negative thought about yourself more emotion, which is going to make it an easy way for your brain to go to because you've been giving those pathways in your brain more energy. But if you accept the fact that, yeah, today I'm not so stoked with how I look, but who gives a shit? I'm going to continue my day, do the things I was going to do. And in those days where you do feel really good, like you said, Lids, like own it. But again, don't get consumed by it. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know. There's probably someone in the world that absolutely loves their body and is in love with what they look <laughs> look at every day, maybe. But, but I don't think I, so. Yeah, probably not. So 
just be okay with the fact that some days it's probably not going to be as good and some days it is going to be good. But what you can do is reframe those bad thoughts. And that's something that I've been doing. I think we touched on it a little bit with like self-belief and that sort of thing. But when you do have those bad thoughts, shutting them off pretty quickly and then thinking of something positive around it. So mine's with my stomach. If it's about a crop top, I use the Nike slogan, just do it with the crop top thing. So I try not to think too deeply about what I'm actually doing. Do I want to wear a crop top? Yes, I do. So just do it. So just go out and wear it. And I force myself not to take t-shirts or things with me so that I have to wear it the whole time. I don't get scared and put it back on when I go into a busy road or something. So I think like, yeah, the less energy you give to those bad thoughts, it's okay to have them accept that they come through your mind. That's fine. But the less energy you give to it, the less you're going to get consumed by it. Right now, I'm definitely in the best place I've ever been with my body, even when I'm not training as much as I used to. You know, I'm still pretty positive about my body a lot of the time. There's still bad days. Mm. Yeah, I think when you talk about like just going out and wearing the crop top and like doing it without thinking, I think that's the best thing. Like, I think we get so consumed about what other people think of us. It ends up just being so like detrimental to us when in reality, no one cares. No one's going to care if you're wearing a crop top or not. I think it's just like understanding that as much as you feel like people are looking and staring at you, they probably are not. And if you feel comfortable wearing a crop top because it's hot and you want to get a tan, wear the crop top because no one cares at all. But I think it's really important for us to note that like the way we fell into these like negative relationships with our bodies was very much because of how our coaches were speaking to us. And like terminology is such a big one and such an important one when it comes to speaking to girls in particular. I can't really speak too much for boys, but definitely when you're speaking to young girls who are really impressionable and are really willing to learn and listen when you do have these conversations about particular things such as body image or weight loss, even anything to do with aesthetics and performance, it's really important the way that we as coaches and trainers are wording the things that we're trying to get across to the athletes. So even things like saying the words, you look fit, I think it's something we've probably all fallen into before. I've definitely said it to people before saying, oh, you look really fit and like trying to provide that as a compliment, but you just don't know what that person is going through. And if they're going through like eating disordered behaviors or having a negative relationship with their body, they might take that and think that by us telling them that they look fit, they need to continue that behavior to continue to look fit. So it's so important for us to kind of stay away from even using the word look like I've definitely had people who said to me, oh, you look fit. Or even recently I had a friend that said to me, oh, you look good. And I kind of took that as in a, what does she actually mean? Like I started overthinking the fact that she told me I looked good because I've for so long had people tell me I look particular ways and then found out later what their intentions by saying that actually were. And so when she said to me, oh, you look good, I probably spent days playing with that over and over my head being like what did she actually even mean by you look good does that mean I put on weight does that mean I've lost weight does that mean I look this way or that way and get really consumed by it so terminology and the way that we speak to people is super important and something you and I always talk about definitely I can just think of multiple examples where in recent years I was at the track with a bunch of guys and I was running around with them and they were saying the same thing about a girl running around the track. They said, oh man, she looks so fit. She looks so, so fit, so strong. And I was like, none of you said that about me. <laughs> and then I got 
consumed by that as well. And then I stepped away when I left the track and I was like, damn, that sucks. Like she doesn't look it. She is it like she's fit and she's strong. Cause then you're just creating a look in someone's mind. Cause for me, I was like, okay, well I don't look like her. So therefore I'm not fit and I'm not strong. You're so right. Like the way we speak about people, it should be more about what they actually are, not the aesthetic and what they look like. And even what you said before about like, you don't know what people are going through. I have a friend that, you know, is going through some eating disorder stuff and she posted a photo running and she got all these comments from people being like, wow, you look so good. Like you look so strong and fast and like running's going so well. Little did they know she's actually going through eating disorder right now. And what they've just said to her has reinforced everything she's done up until that point and made her want to continue the behaviors that she's doing. So I think, like you say, at Femi, we don't talk about the way someone looks. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about weight. We talk about performance, how they feel and what running does for them and their mind and their body, not what they look like or their weight. I think that's so important. And just like calling people up on out, I think I'm going to start saying it if I hear it. I'm going to be like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by that? Tell me more and then see what they actually say. They'll be like, oh, well, like, oh, she's she's fit, but you said she looked fit. Like, what do you mean by that? And then they'll probably question themselves, like call them out and question it and see what they actually say because they probably don't realize they're doing it. And like you said, Liz, I've done it before as well. And it's something that takes a while to change, but keep putting an effort and it will make a difference. And I think for those like coaches and trainers that are out there that are working with young girls in particular, just being hyper aware around the words that you're using around them and how you're framing things up. And even just if you are referring to other athletes, like the way that you're referring to them, don't refer to them about how they look like refer to them about how consistent their training's been. And that's why they're performing well, how much they must be fueling so well to be able to get that consistent training, telling those messages of like consistent training, fueling well, having healthy menstrual cycles. If we can continue to push those conversations above, oh, she's lean, she must be fit or she looks fit or yeah, she's skinny and fast, like staying completely away from anything that even tries to connect those two things and terms of like performance and aesthetics get rid of it and then focus more on like she must be having really consistent training because she's performing really well like that's exactly what we want to hear and then if the young girl goes oh how do I get consistent training wow you have to eat really well and make sure you've got a healthy menstrual cycle like that's the conversation that we want like we mentioned we're going to bring on a professional next week to continue the conversation about body image but we're just going to touch on a couple of things that have helped both Esther and I to improve our own body image and the relationships that we have with ourselves Esther do you want to go first and then I'll jump in after yeah I think we touched on it a little bit but it's definitely probably the main thing that I do is not giving my energy to those negative thoughts anymore as much as I used to like I said in that nitro situation I was staring at myself in the mirror in hysterical tears, giving so much energy to those negative thoughts about the way I looked in the crop top. Whereas now I just wouldn't look. I would just say, no, I'm going to do it. And then again, with like certain parts of my body that I struggle with still, which is still my stomach. And that's because of what someone said to me five, six years ago. I don't give as much energy to those thoughts anymore. And that's literally how I've definitely gotten better. And I think, like you said, Liz, looking more at the performance aspect, for me, with my current body weight and size is more than I, obviously more than I was when I was a junior, but even more than I was probably three or four years ago. 
but I don't think I was particularly healthy then. Whereas now I'm fueling so much more for my training. I'm consciously eating at certain times of the day with lots of protein. It's all for my performance. And obviously I love food. Like I love the taste and like it's delicious, but also a lot of it is like <laughs> specific to my training. And I think it's showing in my running. Like obviously I've been sick for a while and the performance aspect hasn't been there. But before that, I was running the best times I've ever run and I'm probably the heaviest I've ever been. So I think, yeah, just looking more at how I feel, the performance side, putting less negative emotion towards parts of my body and and stupid stuff. That doesn't matter. We're all beautiful and we're all different. But yeah, that's kind of me. What about you? Going off the back of that and a conversation actually that I had recently with my good friend Hannah Wells, who is a professional iron woman around like the, I guess, social athlete. So an athlete that trains, but doesn't consider themselves elite or super competitive. They're still training like that elite or that super competitive athlete, but because they don't consider themselves an elite athlete, they don't see themselves like needing to fuel the way that an elite athlete would. And I guess they've kind of being fed messages from like the nutrition industry more around like losing a particular amount of weight and going on diets versus actually using fuel to improve your performance and allow you to feel better as an athlete. And I think that's where the messaging has got really mixed up is like, you're either an athlete or you're not. And if you're an athlete, you're fueling for performance. And if you're not, then you're fueling to lose weight. And kind of like that's the end of the conversation, which is so wrong. I think if you move and if you exercise, you are an athlete and you need to consider yourself an athlete and you need to fuel yourself like an athlete. And that's where your performance is going to come. And then the entire conversation about weight loss and dieting, throw that out the window. But for things, I guess the main one for me that's really helped with my body image and improving my relationship with my body is there's, I guess, a couple of things. The first one is acceptance. I spent, as I mentioned, so many years of my life wishing I had a different body and comparing myself to other people. The moment I realized that I am me and no one else is me and that I'm very grateful and fortunate to have this body, I guess made me like actually appreciate the body that I did have and start accepting that okay, my body is never going to change. Like this is always going to be me. So why not just like love the body I've got? And that's where I'm actually going to be able to improve my relationship with my body, but also my performance in sport as well. So trying to flip that narrative into like an acceptance one and then a appreciative one and like actually being grateful for what I do have, I think has like really, really helped my mindset and relationship. And then, yeah, like you is realizing that I need to fuel my body to actually perform better and focusing on that performance element and being like, if I fuel myself more, I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to be able to run faster and I'm going to be able to perform better. It's pretty simple and it's pretty black and white. But for so long, we were being fed these messages of like, you need to be skinny to be fast, which is so not true. I know a lot of skinny people who are not fast. So it's just more focusing on like actually fueling myself correctly. When I started eating well, this was only probably three years ago, I actually started fueling myself properly. And then what followed that was a 5K, 10K, half marathon, full marathon, PB, healthy menstrual cycles, mentally healthy, physically feeling great. So the results and my performance definitely allowed me to feel more confident in my body and realizing that I can actually eat a lot of food and perform a lot better than when I was restricting my diet and hating my body. And so 
it's all part of the journey and it's definitely been one but like I kind of mentioned like I still don't think anybody's relationship with their body is 100% perfect we all have our good days and our bad days but it's awesome that we are able to kind of share our learnings and our journeys with all of you because hopefully something that we spoke about today resonates with you and you can go away and think about that and I heard recently someone saying like if you feel like you potentially may have some sort of distorted eating behaviors or habits then you probably do and it's it's worth like reaching out for help and getting some um, guidance on how you can get out of that so you can have that really healthy relationship with your body so we'll bring you more of kind of like the specifics in our chat next week so definitely stay with us for that one we're really excited to bring our expert on board to talk more about disordered eating and body image issues but if you do have any questions in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram. We're at femi.co or you can head to our website at femi.co. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yes, do you have anything else to add? One thing I'll just add is that on Saturday, I did a 90-minute run, which I was so happy with because it's been the longest run that I've done in about 12 weeks. And then I ate so much food that whole day, and, which was great. And at lunchtime, I ate five pieces of wheat mix with coconut yogurt, protein powder and banana and the next day normally over the last 12 weeks I felt like crap the next day and doing something longer and the next day I felt great and I genuinely think that that's because I ate so much food throughout the day so who would have thought I know who would have thought it it does work fuel your bodies eat faster run faster so see you all next week